0: I wish I had your faith but I'm a man of reason. I can't tell you how many times I've I've heard that sentiment almost all of my life. I remember um, as a teenager in the late 1970s. Yes, I am that old. Um, I was listening to a much loved biology teacher telling us um, enthusiastically how he had just read a new book which finally, actually for him somewhat reluctantly, had confirmed his atheism. It was a book called The Selfish Gene, and it was written by a young Oxford biologist of the name Richard Dawkins. And ever since that, I've just heard that sentiment again, and again, even then, back as a, uh, as a teenager, I saw no reason um, why our increasing knowledge of how biological systems function should necessarily mean that, uh, that a belief in a God who, the, who created them was made less likely. In some ways it made it more likely. But many of those around me over the years included the opposite. I've seen over the last decades, four of them probably nearly um, a steady trickle, mainly of younger people whose former childish faith seemed increasingly unsustainable as their knowledge of the world increased. And like my biology teacher, they, they sometimes mourned that loss but they felt they must abandon any pretense that they should call themselves Christians or even often theists. There are many others who hang on as Christians but do so in a sense by closing their minds to the, the clamouring voice of reason. I can't tell you how many times I've, I've heard them. Um, Uh, of questioning young people who have been told just stop questioning and believe or 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 stop asking all your questions just read the Bible and pray that God will confirm it in your heart and in some situations and some circumstances that is uh, appropriate uh, advice but many of those people are left with a sense that Christian faith is sort of a blind leap in the dark uh, 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 at best and at worst in fact is, is, is a, a monstrous falsehood that can only be sustained by closing our minds. And I want to try and persuade you this morning that that is not true. That actually faith, Christian faith, is not an irrational leap contrary to reason. reason. It is a thoroughly reasonable Trust. I want to encourage you as well that a properly grounded faith is thoroughly life-transforming. And I want to warn you as well, that a poorly grounded faith will always be weak or indeed fatally wounded. Even if uh, everything doesn't fail completely, a poorly grounded faith will produce uh, uh, half-hearted, compromised Christians. Uh, uh, An athlete who doesn't trust that his hamstring muscle is going to to survive the sprint will not sprint with all his might and will not win the race. A a racing driver who doesn't trust his uh, car's brakes will not accelerate down the straight to overtake the other. And a Christian who doesn't really trust his faith will always live a sort of double life, a cautious life, a half-hearted Christian life because they need to uh, keep their options open. They will not follow Jesus' call to love the Lord their God with all their heart and mind and soul and strength they just will not for the readers of this letter to the Hebrews having a well grounded faith was absolutely vital Dan, Dan was explaining last week um, and over previous weeks they were tempted these, these uh, Christians to drift back into their old faith of Judaism and a major element of the reason for that temptation was almost certainly to avoid persecution Judaism was recognised and tolerated as a religion in the, in the Roman Empire but Christianity was increasingly becoming seen as something distinct from judaism and therefore not to be tolerated indeed it wouldn't be a few many years after this letter was written that the the torture and persecution and martyrdom of christians by the roman empire became more or less routine and so the writer here warns about that you've not yet he says in verse 12 verse 4 you've not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood implication but you will have to He calls them to be prepared to follow Jesus, as he puts it, outside the camp, bearing the disgrace that he bore in Hebrews 13.3. It was getting more and more difficult and more than anything else, they needed to be people who did not shrink back, as Dan was saying last week, who did have Faith, And in, in Hebrews 11, who have firmly grounded faith. The, the verse before, the beginning of Hebrews 11, sets the scene. We do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith and are saved, he says. And he will go on to make it clear that is a really serious issue. It was a really serious issue for them, it was a life and death issue, and it is a really serious issue for us. I, I, I've been, I love being a Christian at this moment in British history, but not because it's easy. Christians are losing their jobs for their faith, they're being prosecuted for their faith, they're increasingly um, beyond that, being reviled for their faith, and in that context it's very very tempting in today's world like the people who received this uh, this letter to try and sort of just slink back into the shadows to slip back into a sort of conventional type of uh, religious world that everybody loves certainly not calling themselves evangelical picking and choosing the uh, things that Jesus uh, 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 that Jesus calls us to do great to love your neighbour as yourself everybody will love you for that Let's, let's do that but what about the more demanding things if we do not have a firm solid faith we will not be true followers of Jesus so this chapter Hebrews 11 is really really important and we're going to be looking at it over the next few weeks. He introduces, right at the beginning of Hebrews 11, perhaps something that is very, very important for us to understand. Faith trusts the invisible. Faith is confidence, he says, in what we hope for, assurance of what we do not see and at first sight you see that looks just like the leap in the dark that, that, that uh, everybody accuses faith of, of being especially if you read the old uh, authorised version it, it, which reads rather like a sort of spiritual alchemy, the AV says faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, does faith conjure up substance out of hope? Does, does faith provide an evidential basis for things which are beyond the limits of empirical tests? You know, uh, um, many, many people in the last hundred years have mocked that um, Friedrich Nietzsche described Christian faith as a protracted suicide of reason start to understand why, can't you? I think the NIV probably is right in using more subjective words. Faith is confidence in what we hope for. It is assurance of what we do not see. But that doesn't take us that far. Now, I want to try and help you to see what I think this verse is saying. Because I think it's really, really important. And perhaps the best way of doing it is just to point out to you that that faith actually, as this verse is describing it, faith is a faculty that everybody exercises all the time about two vital things. The future and other things we cannot see. Everybody does it. I have all sorts of 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 of, of um, things about the future that I just have to take on trust. I have faith that the sun will rise tomorrow. I have faith, a slightly weaker one, that my wages will be paid next month. I have faith that my investment in my family will yield. Fruit in their lives and the lives of their children beyond, even beyond my death I have faith about all sorts of things in the future I, I, that's how I live my life and similarly I have faith about all sorts of things that I, I simply cannot at this moment see I have faith that just a few hundred yards in that direction lies a large river I can't see it I have faith that when uh, Judy leaves the house for um, four mornings every week that she goes off to work as a health visitor. She certainly comes back with a convincing story in a wage packet that seems to support it. I have faith that 84% of this universe is made of, of dark matter which is not immediately um, evident that we cannot see. And that confidence, that Faith is not contrary to reason. It is based on reason, evidence and experience. Now my faith in those different things will have slightly different strengths. I have a much greater faith that there's still a river there than than, than, um, that my wages will be paid. For instance, though you you have always been amazingly sacrificial, and Andrew Sadler has been amazingly efficient, so uh, it's pretty strong. Um, Some of those faiths are very easily testable. I, I can just go for a walk and check the river's still there if I want to. I only have to wait a few hours for my faith in the sun rising every day to be vindicated. But some are not so testable. I I simply can't test. In any meaningful way. That my investment in my family will last beyond my death. I just just can't do that. But I know my grandfather influenced me. I've seen lots of families where there is a a massively positive influence. That has gone down for more than a lifetime. Tons of evidence around So I live like that. I can't do the maths that proves that there is dark matter in this universe. I just have to take it on trust that those who can are persuaded. So I live by faith. Do you see? I just have to take a view based on evidence of what the future holds and of a range of things that I can't see and live my life on that basis 1500 years ago the great theologian and philosopher Augustine of Hippo wrote I began to realise that I believed countless things which I'd never seen or which had taken place when I was not there to see, so many events in the history of the world, so many facts about places and town which I'd never seen, so much that I believed on the words of friends or doctors or various other people, unless we took these things on trust We should accomplish absolutely nothing in this life. Isn't that true? And so we come to the specific issue of Christian faith. The assurances that the Bible makes to us, that God sees everything and not a single action that we uh, uh, we do goes unforgotten. The assurances that the Bible gives us that the future is a future of the return of Christ, of of the bringing in of a new heaven and a new earth. Are those things irrational? They are not. The Bible makes, for instance, solid, historical, testable claims. It claims that Jesus rose from the dead. And, was, and there were witnesses of that, hundreds of witnesses of that. The, the internationally respected historian, N.T. Wright, Tom Wright, concludes at the end of his... His monumental study of it's on page seven hundred and nine this his monumental study of uh, the resurrection. He says, I conclude that the historian of whatever persuasion has no option but to affirm both the empty tomb and the meetings with the risen Jesus as historical events. They are, in the normal sense required by historians, provable events Christians your faith is not based on blind leap of faith it is a reasonable trust based on evidence and similarly the bible makes all sorts of claims not only about the uh, uh, about the the future which of course the resurrection of Jesus is is seen to be an anticipation of that future resurrection of all people, but also of unseen things that are going on now. You are promised that you are absolutely secure, that there is nothing that can separate you from uh, God's love. You are promised that as you set out today, this week, to serve Jesus, there will be no loss. Though the world may hate you, and you may not see immediate fruit, you will be rewarded in heaven. You can live like that. Is that an irrational leap? No. It is based on solid evidence. And Hebrews 11 serves as just a little piece of that evidence there are innumerable people who have lived lives of faith been vindicated discovered the fullness of what it means to live like that found that there was a satisfaction in living like that that was, went beyond any satisfaction that this world could give and here are a few of them in Hebrews 11 Verse 3 takes a specific example of that general faith. The faith that that is based on a reasonable trust of things that are unseen. By faith, he says, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command. So that what is seen was not made out of what is visible. It is the classic, one of the classics, always that Christians and um, non-Christians discuss and debate. Ever since Plato, people have believed that the universe was eternal. More recently, scientists have have concluded that it had a beginning, uh, most of them at least, in the big bang. Just uh, most of you will know who are here. I don't personally subscribe to the view that the universe is, is young, I think at least it has the appearance of being old. But that's not what this is talking, this is talking about. This is saying, is, was there anything ab- around before the universe existed? The Big Bang simply says, well, that's about as far back as we can go. And Christians rightly say, well, what was before that? Some people have tried to uh, create a model of an eternal universe. Um, a popular one at the moment is a sort of eternally oscillating universe that goes from big bang and expands and then to big crunch and then sort of oscillates and goes to big bang and, and, and so on. So you've got this sort of eternal sinusoidal wave of, uh, uh, of, of expansion and collapse of the universe. And still people are saying, rightly... Does that really mean that we can be confident there's nothing beyond that, even if that model works? The person who says there is nothing beyond that, you see, is exercising faith. It is something unseen. Just as much as the person who says, no, there is a God beyond that who actually extraordinarily from his marvellously fruitful mind created this universe in all its magnificent size its extraordinary complexity and yet its beautiful simplicity you cannot on this subject do anything other than decide on the basis of faith which you believe but does that mean that it's just rational, A random which you might choose? No, the Bible says not. The Bible insists for instance that there is a, a more or less universal instinct in human beings. Which you see worked out. Children are theists. Is that a great and monstrous universal error that every child has to be educated out of? Or is it, as it is, the Bible says, an insight that growing minds increasingly hide from themselves often. There is the evidence of countless witnesses who have seen extraordinary things, not least and centrally the risen Jesus Christ. And then there is the evidence that Christianity, frankly, makes sense of our humanity and of, of, of great and important things like love and justice and human dignity in a way that no other understanding of the world uh, does. I was talking to a friend of mine who is a scientist and who has been through enormous difficulties in his life and great tests to his faith some time ago. He said, but in the end, he said, it's the simple explanatory power of the Christian understanding of the universe that makes me absolutely certain it is the truth. Christians, your faith is on solid foundations. It really is. Non Christians. You are not being called to make any rational leap to be to join these weird people who call themselves Christians. You are being called to trust on the basis of good evidence. Faith. Trusts the invisible. He says. And then uh, just. At a relatively high speed. We need to look then through. Some of these first few examples. Before we look at some more. Uh, next week. Just to start to get a, a picture. Of what. Christian. Biblical faith looks like. Faith, he says in uh, verse 4, is about the heart before it's about actions. Or at least that appears to me to be what he's trying to say when he brings up the subject of Cain and Abel. By faith, Abel brought God a better offering than Cain. By faith he was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offerings. By faith Abel still speaks, even though he is dead. The story of Cain and Abel, they were the first sons of Adam and Eve, is is relatively simple but pretty brutal. They both bring offerings to God, but only Abel's is accepted. And there were differences between those offerings in one sense. Abel's was an animal offering, while Cain's was a grain offering. Is that why God accepted one and didn't accept the other? It seems doubtful. The text doesn't uh, doesn't make that point. And anyway, in the Old Testament, grain offerings and animal offerings were both acceptable. Abel's offering, says uh, Genesis 4, was from the firstborn of his flock. So it seemed to be, the be from the best animals of his flock. While Cain's is just described as some of the fruits of the soil. So there may be, in, in sort of concrete reality, some distinction between the offerings that both Abel and Cain brought. But again, the, the text doesn't emphasise that. What the text emphasizes is that God somehow made it plain which offering was acceptable and which was not. And the result in Cain was not a humble sense of oh Lord I want to bring you the offer an offering that is appropriate for you. It was anger. And despite the fact that Cain was warned it led to murder although there was some perhaps superficial difference in their, their offerings from the start the key difference in them was that one of them actually hated God and hated his brother and it resulted in murder the difference between them was much more about their heart than it was about their actions and so it may be for you. See, there may be people here who are a bit like Cain. They sort of sense they should come to church. They sense that, you know, these things are all right and they grudgingly give at least a chunk of their life to God. But underneath you know that there is not that real, sincere faith and trust and love of God. Let, let, let me say to you, as as God said to, to Cain, that is really, really dangerous. Your faith will not survive. And one way or another it will burst out in something very ugly. Faith is about our hearts. It's about what God sees is going on in the inside. And if you know... That what is going on in the inside is not healthy this morning. And do not be like Cain and be very angry and ignore God. You need to come to Him and ask that He will change your heart. It is a solid trust on the basis of evidence, it is something that is fundamentally in our hearts before it issues in actions. But it receives the most extraordinary rewards. Verse 5. By faith Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken he was commended as one who pleased God. Enoch's a, a weird character of his... in in Genesis chapter 5 seven generations from Adam he uh, uh, is recorded to have been a man of faith who walked with God and we just read Enoch walked faithfully with God and then he was no more because God took him away everybody else in that chapter dies and then there's Enoch and you wouldn't be excused for thinking "That that is a weird thing until you see the resurrection of Jesus until we start to realize that actually eternal life beyond death is a general promise of the whole Bible for all God's people and then we realize that Enoch served as a a sort of little funny island of hope right at the beginning that death was not the end And notice Enoch was taken and did not experience death because of his faith. And every single believer, though we may die, as Jesus says, yet we will live because of our faith in him. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Anyone who comes to him must believe he exists. And that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. And what a reward it is. Eternal life. Beyond death, that thing that is hinted about in the Old Testament, that he's longed for universally by human beings, is promised through faith in Jesus Christ. He rewards gives the most extraordinary reward, rewards to people who have learned to trust him. And then there is Noah. Faith calls us to do extraordinary things. Verse 7 by faith Noah warned Noah warned about things not yet seen in holy fear built an ark to save his family. By his faith, he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that is in keeping with faith. Remember the story of Noah, we all learned it. He 's warned by God of a, about a flood, and he is told to build a great ship on dry land when there is uh, uh, no rain happening, and to wait for God 's promise to come true. And imagine the mockery. Why waste your life on this ridiculous project, Noah? You're wishing your life away. Noah's gone mad, everyone. Look at what he's creating. If he would put all that energy that he wastes on his, his his wild ideas about God into something really useful, he could have been rich, or he could have been a great philanthropist, or he could have been a, a great leader, or he could have done this world some real good. What's he doing wasting his time on that boat? Noah, you're leading your family astray. It's alright for you to do your thing, but how on earth can you get all of your family involved in what is frankly a A complete madness. Noah, for the sake of your family at least, let them just go off and enjoy life. What are you trusting, Noah? Some voice you've heard from God? Or the solid, plain evidence of your own eyes? It is not raining, Noah. It has never rained that much, Noah. Your boat will never Be of any value. And they were wrong. See why it's so important for us? They were wrong. There is evidence in multiple cultures that a great flood did come in ancient times upon the world and that a family who was stupid enough to build a big boat were rescued they were wrong the rest of the world faith calls us to do extraordinary things you see if you're a Christian here do not expect the rest of the world to Think you're living your life sensibly they will not they are wrong it is that simple and you have abundant evidence to support that it is a reasonable trust so let me finish just by saying two things one to people who aren't yet Christians here Do you realise how paper thin your the foundations for your faith that there is no God or that he isn't the God of the Bible is? They're not firm foundations. They're massively weak foundations. The history of uh, of philosophy has been of of, of, uh, uh, philosophers getting terribly excited about their atheism and proclaiming that atheism is the only uh, viable understanding of this world. And some of them have been just down the road in Oxford and they are now seen to be somewhat dinosaur-like. As people realise they've based their whole system on thin air. Do you realise. How thin are the foundations of your faith. That God is not. Like the God of the Bible. And to Christians. I want to say. Your faith is based. On solid evidence. As solid a set of evidence as you could expect there to be in terms of the historical realities of Jesus the persuasive power of the Christian view of what it means to be human the multiple evidence of witnesses but now here's the key question for us the Hebrews 10 question Will you live on that basis? Will you be prepared to stand out and accept... that all Christians are one way or another unacceptable to this world? Will you take risks for God? Will you abandon the security... That you have built around yourself and say, No, I will seek the security of serving Jesus every day. Will you be a person who has faith and who doesn't shrink back? Such faith is built on firm foundations. It is life transforming, it is world transforming. It's the faith that God calls us to.